Real Fun DC. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And welcome to another episode of Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, on Real Fun DC. Thanks so much for joining me today. So, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, I've been covering the DC food and wine scene for over 18 years now. Perhaps you listen to me on Foodie and the Beast with my husband David every Sunday on 1500, uh, the DC area's only food and wine variety show. It's been on for almost 13 years. You follow me, I know, at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and where it all began, the list are you on it.com, the online e-zine that lists every food and wine event going on in the DC metro area, um, including every single opening. So we are now in mid-June. The summer will be over before we know it. Uh, and now that more people are vaccinated, the city is really just so alive. I was out and about last week, and my goodness, does it just feel so good and a little strange. So first, I had a pity, a very big brunch at my house for my family, who all got to come to town for my daughter Tessa's graduation. And there's a couple dishes I want to point out to you. So my go-to is Dory Greenspan's Fig and Goat Cheese Quick Bread. Um, on my Instagram feed. Also check out the cheesy eggs and polenta with ham and spinach. Of course, I have Call Your Mother Bagels and Ivy City Tavern Smoked Salmon um, and Patty Yuginich's Marble Pound Cake. Also good, also easy. It is my go-to brunch spread, and if you want it, you can find it all on my Instagram feed. Uh, we also went to Dauphine's. Yes, I was there again, this time for a graduation party. We had a pretty kickin' dinner. Uh, the cocktail lovers at my table were very happy that hurricane caused quite an uproar. The oysters Dauphine and the amazing fresh seafood. Um, that bread service is pretty kick-ass, but my favorite personally is the tile fish amandine a real twist on a true classic really amazing we also checked out the latest from jose andres new restaurant in bethesda the old haleo is now the new spanish diner now jose actually has a spanish diner up in new york but this is his rendition down here and you're going to get all the phase the potatoes bravas the iberico ham that tomato bread um and coincidentally enough they had the rosé that I will be talking to the winemaker of later uh, in the show, Arian Wines. So, also don't forget, there is no reason that honoring dear old dad should be fraught with chintz. No soap on a rope or boring ties or goofy, stupid aprons. Um, give the person who provides you all that fatherly love and support something delicious. And you know... Uh, if you check out the list or you want it.com on our Father's Day page, you'll find everything to give dear old dad something yummy and fun. With that, let's get on with the show. The last year has had a lot of us furthering our wine education because we were buying it. Lots of it. So thank you, COVID, for that. So on today's main discussion, um, we're going to focus on 
special wine, Spanish wine. And with me today is Esteve Salgado. He is president and CEO of Tradewinds. And I feel really fortunate because he brought with him Meta Sanchez Marquez. She is the winemaker of Arian Wines out of Spain. She is Zooming in from Spain to talk with us. Uh, not only is she a young woman winemaker, but the winery is actually owned by a woman as well, which is very exciting. Uh, but first, we're going to talk to another woman. RAMW's Kathy Hollinger is here to join us uh, to talk about the Rammies. They're back and so much more like the latest that's happening in the D.C. area. Hey, Kathy. Hey, Nick. Good to see you and hear you. I know it's always good to see you. So let's get the latest update. You know, we brought you on to industry night every other week to sort of keep us updated. Um, the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington has just been this fountain seems like a, a paltry term. You have been a fire hose of nonstop information, not just for your members and people in the restaurant industry, but for lovers of the restaurant industry. You've really kept everybody up to date. In fact, I do want to tell you, I was talking to um, a journalist yesterday who does not have a relationship with you, but who said, I, I don't know how they did it. She just sung your praises and your team's praises, and I'm not blowing smoke. I thought it was well-deserved. Um, well, I appreciate that. I really do. I think the whole team does. So thanks for sharing that. Okay, good. So let's talk about where we are. Are we done with restrictions? So at the moment, it, you know, appears, and I hope it stays that way, we are done with restrictions. Mm -hmm. uh, this weekend, starting tomorrow, all restrictions will be lifted. So other nightlife, businesses, it will all be lifted. And we were the last in D.C. So Maryland and Virginia, I mean, we are fully open. There is no gradual reopen we are fully open and it's really mean also like social distancing is out the door like it, i mean obviously it's up to each yep. business to do what makes them feel comfortable but the doors are open the doors are open and when we talk about lifted restrictions we basically mean business as usual pre-COVID, but again, to your point, every operator, every business is free to keep in place elements of social distancing, masking, whatever the case may be, based on what makes sense for their business. Yeah, because I mean, I was at, um, as I said earlier in the show, I was at a Spanish diner on Saturday night in Bethesda, and those tables were definitely socially distanced and they still have the partitions up uh between the tables. so i i think everybody's gonna find what makes them comfortable yes forward. i think diners and owners right diners owners staff everyone absolutely absolutely but i think you bring up a really good point at the end of the day if you're going into a restaurant or any business if they say wear a mask you need to wear a mask it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated at this point as a business owner, you get to decide what works. That's right. That's right. And I think that signage is still very important because people are still confused. I will say that as someone who is regularly informing our industry, uh -huh. I've been out probably every 
other night. And when I walk in, I look for the signage, but I also, in addition to looking at the signage, I ask the host, tell me what you feel comfortable with uh-huh. as I'm coming in, because there people are doing different things. And what I do know is that restaurants want to make sure they are making diners feel comfortable and they are making their staff feel comfortable. So it could be mixed in terms of the kind of precautions that they have in place right now. So what are you getting from, uh, what are you hearing from people about mask mandates? Because you're going out, I'm going out, you know, I'm seeing wait staff wear them, but telling us if we're vaccinated, we don't have to, you know, for a while there, every time they came over, I would throw my mask on. Um, so what are you hearing? I am hearing that there is uh, more and more desire and interest from diners to be able to walk in without their mask if they are vaccinated, of course, as they're making their decisions for themselves, Mm -hmm. and that there is a need and interest to see the operator and employees also operate in that fashion. There is a psychological trust, I think. If you're walking in, you actually, people are now at the point that they're feeling good to consider not having a mask on, whether you are dining or whether you are working. Now, owners and operators are starting to have the conversation around when is the appropriate time to give our employees the option of not having to wear a mask, Uh where it is not mandated, it is up to you. Mm. Um, And I do believe, Nikki, that over the next several days, probably going into the week or two, we're going to see many, many more restaurants that will loosen that requirement where you need to come in masked versus the choices up to the diner. Mm, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Well, what are we looking at? I mean, the news in our region seems very positive when it comes to vaccination vaccination rates, you know, uh, Montgomery County, Northern Virginia, DC, um, has been pretty aggressive. That doesn't mean everybody has them, but they are available. And people, I don't, I don't know anybody unless they're a young child who hasn't gotten one. I hear the same thing, Nikki. And I will say that very, very much available. Uh Um, regionally, I think we're doing really well in terms of our numbers or vaccination numbers. Uh I think if you were to break out different territories, I think DC, there's still an interest to keep pushing out that they are available, keep pushing out safety and the rationale behind why getting vaccinated offers the steps forward that we need to take coming off of the 15 months. But the good news is that you're right. Anyone can walk up in DC, walk up and get vaccinated. Right. So we're all so nervous. Like when I think back to February and I think about it, I was like, oh my God, like it's only for 75 plus. Like we're never going to get it. Like now, you know, losing that anxiety and going now. Like if anybody were to say to me, yeah, I haven't got one, I'd be like, get my car. Come on. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me 
find you a drink. Let me, let me get you a vaccine. Like, what are you waiting for? 100%, 100%. And I think that, you know, the hesitancy that may have been there with an audience of people who did not necessarily want to do it at that time, mm-hmm. I think they're starting to also see that that hesitant group is also increasing in terms of numbers of people who are getting vaccinated. So again, I am rooted in hope and I'm I'm seeing the energy that's out there. I think chefs, operators, employees, and diners, mm-hmm. people are really ready to embrace this summer in a way that they can be out and about um, safely because they have been vaccinated. Right, totally with you. Um, it's, I, you know, I said something once to David about, uh, you know, when we think of the roaring 20s in the 1900s, you know, we all thought that had to do with prohibition. And I'm sure that had a large chunk of it. But they also were recovering from a pandemic. And I feel like that piece of that little chunk of information was not shared as widely as it should have been, right? Completely, (laughs) completely. I'm ready to put on my flapper dress. Like I totally see what happened there. I mean, you're probably wearing one right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so with parties in mind, yes, the Rammies are coming back. What does that mean? I mean, Nikki, I will say that, you know, I think this will probably be an epic celebration, Mm -hmm. right? Um, To have a Rammies coming off of a pandemic. When has that ever happened? So yes, we're returning to the Waltree Washington Convention Center on September 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be a huge celebration in person mm-hmm. with all the people and all the things. And we're you know honoring the industry for really an extraordinary year plus. Mm-hmm. But um, in ways where people and restaurants and food service professionals have had to innovate, reimagine, recreate. Um, So we're excited about that because that is slightly different, right? We are also um, opening the awards in terms of who is nominated and who may be considered to any restaurant in the community, Mm -hmm. understanding that it, it took a village to really think about how we get through this and those who are highlighted or sh- or maybe honored it should be all inclusive and while we may need to go back to a different model in years ahead this is where we are right now and we are one community and everybody matters and we want to be very intentional about that so i applaud that i hope you're getting really positive feedback from that because this is a year to lift everybody up right like i mean i know there has to be a winner there's a you know you can't give a a gold star to everybody but there's so many people who deserve recognition for things that you know it's not just the best restaurant you know what i mean or the best this or the best that it's really just about people who you know helped others or or you know got out there or changed on a dime, you know? I mean, right. there are people who really did amazing, amazing things. Absolutely. And I, I, I do hope that that is resonating with folks because it is really about 
local ambassadors and champions of one another. There have been so many of those, and it is going to be really hard. I mean, it's going to be very hard for the judges, given everybody stepped up in remarkable, remarkable ways. Uh Um, But it's also an opportunity to be able to honor and showcase those where there could be some lessons learned going forward. Right. So our silver law, I mean, it was a, this was not easy. It was very tough, but I think we found some silver linings. Um, and that's, what's really important. So when are the Rammies this year? So the Rammies are Sunday, September 19th, 2021 at the Walter E. Washington convention center, downtown again, um, we will be honoring various categories, slightly different though, in terms of how we are honoring, you know, everyone is familiar with categories like managers of the year, employees of the year. There are those that will stay in place like that, but the more, um, reimagined categories are most innovative to go packaging game or outstanding COVID safe redesign indoors or outdoors, Um, outstanding ghost kitchen or pop-up concept. I mean, this is very relevant and timely, and it would really be somewhat tone deaf to not honor what we are just coming off of and how people had to be extraordinary. So we're ready to have a celebration. Um, We are ready to have a, I believe, a dance party. That's probably the, you know, the final piece of what does this event actually look like? I think it's going to look like all the wonderful elements pre-COVID with some of the fantastic um, reimagined thinking of coming off of a pandemic. So we are really excited and hope everyone will join us that night to celebrate a fantastic industry. It's Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun D.C. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And we are back on Industry Night on Real Fun DC with me, Nikki Nellis. That's at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. As I mentioned in the beginning of the show, the last year has had a lot of us furthering our wine education, whether through experimentation or taking one of the many classes that have been virtually available online. But today's main discussion is going to focus on what you can find in that bottle, specifically Spanish wine. Um, Actually, just the other night, I was at Jose Andres' new Spanish diner in Bethesda, and the wine group that I'm talking with today, their wine was featured, the Ariane Rosé, and um, that's what I had several several classes of. So with me today is uh, S. Debe Salgado. He is president and CEO of Tradewinds. And uh, Maite Sanchez Marquez, she is the winemaker of Ariane Wines out of Spain. Uh, so I want to thank you both for joining me today. Um, Estebe, I do want to start with you because you put this whole thing together. Um, I'd love a little bit of your background in wine. Yeah, so um, thanks for having me, Nikki. And, and yes, it's been a uh, it's been a great journey. Um, originally, I'm from San Sebastian, so it's the northern part of Spain, uh, which uh, for the people that uh, might know, it's a, it's a great uh, great area for food and, and, and drinks at the end of the day, correct? Uh, 
Yeah, for good food and drinks. Insane, right? Great food and drinks. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So um, with that, you know, growing up there, always uh, sitting at a at a table, you you know, home and everything. Um, you experience good, uh, you know, good food, and clearly, wine is a big part of having a good meal, right? So um, came to the U.S. with a swimming scholarship, and without getting into any depth, I went to American University. Um, and then, you know, fell in love with Washington, D.C. area. So I'm still here 19 years later and um, trying to get that, you know, culture or like that uh, Spanish and, and, and Basque astronomy and everything into, into our area. Correct. So uh, through family connections, um, started my own import company um, called Tradewinds and, you know, um, with wineries like Arrayan. Um, at our small family boutique style wineries with the philosophy that we have is uh, very simple. Um, it's just like on, um, on the food side, you know, um, farm to table, uh, we are doing the same with wine, right? So we partner at the end of the day with wineries that own their vineyards and have um, most of them organic practices on their vineyards, okay? So boutique style wines clearly started with Spain that's where I had the, uh, the most um, knowledge, background. Uh, but uh, nowadays, we, you know, we have French wines, Italian, Argentine. So we've expanded a little bit since then. And um, yeah, we've, been, we've been doing this now for 12 years. So I'm twice. I feel like I think, I think I've known you for all 12 years. I met you yeah. kind of when you started in the industry. So for people who are not as familiar with let's start with Spanish wine and small boutique wineries, because I think mm -hmm. what you said is very important um, for the, for those who just go and, you know, you look at the wine store and there's all these wines and sometimes they break it by region. Sometimes they break it by price, but um, you brought up several things that I think are, are becoming way more apparent to people when they shop for wine, which is not just the region, but the practices. Sure. Um, so what is it about the Spanish wines that you specifically sell? What is it about these organic practices for people who don't know what that means? So I think you have to start from, you know, the ingredients, correct? Mm -hmm. um, so when you make a great meal, you usually go to the store market, farmer's market or anything. You start with the main thing, which is the ingredients. So with wine, it's, very, it's the same. Um, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that the, you know, and we want to make sure that what you're drinking in the bottle starts from something that is, you know, a good ingredient. So choosing those winemakers, just like Maite here today, um, that really take care of the, the vineyards, um, it's very important, right? Um, and then how you treat your environment, sustainability, every, you know, we're talking about global warming and, and different different things, correct? Um, throughout, you know, throughout life, correct? So, um, you want to make sure that your vineyards, your your you know, you're you're a farmer at the end of the day, so you want to take care of those, correct? The more chemicals and the more you know, the more pesticides and stuff like that you use, then for the long future, you're gonna you're gonna um, I think jeopardize that ingredient that is the main ingredient to make wine, grapes, mm -hmm. um, and. And that's how we, you know, that's how we started. That's how you you uh, start with the main ingredient, and then through the winemaking process, 
it ends up in the bubble and it ends up at Aleo in Bethesda and enjoying it uh, on a Sunday brunch. So, uh, but but it, it it has a process, correct? And I think you know the for for us and for me, it's always been the main the main quality starts from the vineyard. The main quality starts from you know treating the vineyards right, um, organic farming, and and I mean I'm sure Maite can tell you a lot of technical aspects to it, but uh, but I think it's it's simple in a way that you have to have good ingredients to make good wines, right? So that's mm -hmm. Um, that's the, the message um, that we try to portray uh, when we when we start talking to winemakers, when we start talking to or selecting wines for our portfolio, and then we try to relate that message to you know throughout the throughout our um, selling channels, correct? To the restaurant owners or sommeliers in the city, or you know um, winemaker retailers and everything like that. So. We, we like to pass on that message at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Well, no, and I think you job of uh, passing on that message. My question for you before we go to our esteemed winemaker is, is the DC market open to those? Like, I always say the DC market is an educated consumer. Uh, especially when it comes to the restaurant industry, is it as educated in the wine industry? Do you feel like you really have to explain this or do you feel like people here get it? Uh, I think uh, I think you have to explain it. Um, uh, I think, again, passing on the message is important because you have the overall aspect of what winemaking is, what organic practices are, However, I think the most important is also telling what that specific winemaker is doing, correct? Why is that different? Why is this, you know, why are these grapes doing great in that specific region? And, and that message is usually told by that winemaker. Um, so, um, I mean, I don't want to put Burgundy as an example, you know, but like, you know, from parcel to parcel, it makes different wine. Right. right? So, so um, and, and I think there is that, like you said, the the DC market um, is very or highly educated market in terms of wines. Um, I have to say, Spanish wines are, you know, that still, they're still taking off. They're still, and there have been great, um, message or storytellers mm -hmm. i think jose andres could be a great person to you know to put up as a as somebody from spain that has told a great story about spain but because we've always been in the i would say on the shadows of france and italy right from the old world it's like so so i think you know but the more you see nowadays i mean when when i came here again 19 years ago i think jaleo and Taberna would be the two restaurants that the city had, correct? Um, one is very traditional Spanish uh, uh, cuisine, and the other one is much more modern, which is um, Jose's. And but nowadays you see Barcelona, Boqueria, um, you know, um, Mora. See, I mean, we can get into this later, but now you see Spanish wines not just in Spanish restaurants i mean they're it's yeah. part of a regular portfolio don't you agree i mean 
Yes. Because of the yes. wines that are coming out there. You know what, on that point, um, let's go to our winemaker, uh, Maita Sanchez Marquez, coming in from Spain. Um, <laughs> good afternoon there, it's morning here. Hi, how are you? Hi, thank you very much for the invitation. <laughs> very, I'm very well, very happy to see you <laughs> and to hear you. <laughs> well, it's good to see you. So how did the winemaking industry, I'm gonna start with the big one. The winemaking industry is not typically, or hasn't been for centuries, uh, a women's domain. How did you wind up in the wine industry? Uh, yes, it's true that the wine industry has been historically uh, um, primarily male, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, now nowadays there are more and more women in in the in uh, a lot of sectors, uh, different areas of wine. Mm -hmm. And twenty years ago, I think we are we are more and more and. And I'm, I'm just, I, my father <laughs> dedicated to the wine as well. So that's why I'm in this sector. That's why I, I learn about this. But uh, I think for women, um, we have to, uh, to do a, a ex, a extra effort to earn the respect uh, sometimes of the of the vine, of the people in the vineyards um, sometimes as well some commercials that at the beginning didn't see very well the change of uh, because in my case before me uh, it, uh, it was a, a renowned enolog so when I uh, came up uh, it, it was a change uh, from um, from a renowned enolog to a uh, young female winemaker, so it was difficult at the beginning. But now I'm. It's uh, everything is normal, and I have the advantage that the, my the owner of the winery is a woman as well, and we have three more uh, women in the team, so we have a very equal winery. That is uh, that's fabulous, and I love hearing that. Um, you do have this incredible resume, and you, prior to being at Ariane, you were in Chile, you were in, at other wineries in Spain and in France. What was it about those terroirs that informed you about the wine that you're producing today? Uh, yes, it's true. I've been in a lot of places of, because, and I learned a, a lot in, in each place. That, uh, in the new world, uh, I've been in New Zealand and in Chile, mm -hmm. and you can learn about, a lot uh, as well about uh, technology of the wine. And in the old world, like France and, and Spain, it's more artisanal way to do the wine in, in, my, in, <clears throat> in my experience. Uh, um, so I learned in, in both of them, but uh, for me, the example is France. Uh, I've been in Burgundy and I'm in love with the, that kind of um, philosophy in the wine and how they lead the, the, the wine. So, so that's my, my, very, my example. In, it's my, <clears throat> I, I want to achieve this. <laughs> In, uh, in Spain as well. So with your wines now, what are your 
vine growing practices. I know they're environmentally friendly, but for people mm -hmm. who just like to drink wine uh, and how are looking to find wines that are doing sustainable practices, I mean, what does that mean? What do you, what does the winery do in order to uh, offer environmentally friendly practices? Yes, uh, uh, it's like uh, our our um, all all people did um, do in the mm -hmm. you know it's uh, just don't use the pesticides herbicides we have to work the 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 I, I sorry because of my uh, I, un momento voy a cortar esto porque, eh, como es aramos la tierra es esa so I think uh, yeah what might they say in a it's like all, all the winemaking practices um, that use all organic techniques, uh, but it's not using any, any um, uh, like she said, or, uh, pesticides and, and herbicides, not adding anything, but then also the techniques that they use on the vineyards to, uh, you know, uh, to work the land, correct? Uh, they, yes. Is that like biodynamic? I know bi biodynamic is a process that is like with the moon and the stars. Mm -hmm. Like, it are you? Would you consider yourself a biodynamic winery? No, it's not biodynamic. Okay. It's just ecolog it's ecological and environmentally environmentally friendly, but not biodynamic. Um, it's that, that's another. Yes, we don't follow the moon. Uh, yet you uh, maybe in the future maybe in the future but not now pre-pandemic there was this real trend when it came to wineries to either be biodynamic or be natural mm -hmm. um and so there were all these sort of buzzy terms but not without a yeah. not a lot of explanation yes it's true um we we use, for example, in the in the vineyard, we don't use anything. So we do just uh, work the the land, and everything is manual in the plants. And and then in the vine, in the winery, we don't use uh, yeast, uh, uh, commercial yeast. We do this spontaneous fermentation in in the wines to keep the purity of the fruit. And, but the, the difference, I think, between natural and ecological wine is the, the sulfur, the, the sulfur addiction. Uh, we, we use a little bit of sulfur to, that is an antioxidant for the wines and antibacterial as well. So we, we use a minimum quantity. And natural wines, I think, don't use anything, any sulfur. And I think that's the difference. Yeah, I mean, you can taste it in the wine, you know, I mean, some wine, I mean, some natural wines are very good. Some natural wines, I, there's, they're so funky and I don't, yes. I don't know why, like people are, I, I think there are people in the wine world who think you have to like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's a, the natural wine goes uh, with uh, the, volat uh, goes, uh, the volatile is too high. Um, it's, uh, that's the, the difference. Right. The yes. So some sometimes you can find a natural wine good, but it's um, sometimes not. So so when you put a little bit of sulfur, you avoid uh, that the the volatile goes up, and you can keep the bottle more more years as well. 
Which makes sense. And so let's mm -hmm. talk about climate change a little bit because mm -hmm. we're doing all these environmental practices, uh, but the weather is changing. Uh, you grow specific grapes in that region, I guess, originally mm -hmm. because of the weather. How is that? Are you looking for new grapes? How, how do you continue this process given the changes that are coming? Yes, I'm, uh, we have a project that of recuperation of minority autochthone varieties that um, resist the, this hot climate that we are uh, and, and, the, um, and the, the problems of, uh, of the climate change. So we have this project and that uh, these varieties uh, within uh, have a very good potential and very good future. Uh, that there are varieties that we had a long time ago in Spain, but they, uh, with the introduction of uh, foreign varieties, uh, now they are just a few, a few vineyards. So I, I think we are working on that, on, on change the, the, I'm sorry. <laughs> we are working in, in that direction. And is sorry, that- Oh, sorry. If I may inter interrupt, Nikki, yes, so what Arayan did um, very well is, again, revitalize some native, um, native grape varietals like Garnacha, which is from that region, okay, um, mm -hmm. and Albillo, which are, you know, Garnacha, Grenache is, is well known, but Albillo is not, so, so again, um, they're trying to adjust to what the old winemaking uh, was or the old grape varietals that were planted uh, there and revitalize that. That's a new project that I guess Maite has been working on. And again, it has to do also with, you know, the climate change. I think what um, a lot of times uh, uh, you want to you wanna put something new into uh, that environment or that climate, but it doesn't work well, right? So I think going back to the old, uh, old varietals, as they've shown great success and and you can see it in the wines that you drink taste so mm -hmm. yeah well yes we have to keep the fresh the freshness and the elegance of the of the wines so my type to that point what are some of the wines that are coming out of the vineyard now that people here in the states can look forward to i mean obviously i'm drinking the rosé but what are some of the other wines that we can look forward to Yes, we have La Suerte de Arrayan, for example, that is a Grenache of the Sierra de Gredos that is in the north of Toledo. And they are all vines of uh, in altitude in sandy soils and 700 meters above sea level. And the, I think this wine is a very good example of, um, of a garnacha of the of Gredos. Um, it is a uh, fine wine and delicate and not, not too warm, not too hot. And uh, I think that's a very good example or Albillo, like uh, Steve said, that is a, a minority variety that is um, very different from another white wines. And lastly, let's talk about rosé just a little bit, because the D.C. Mm -hmm. region, and Esteve, I know you know this, we, I, I, the last statistics I saw 
we drink more rosé in dc than like mm -hmm. in the country and i'm definitely a participant in that was was rosé on your radar was it something that you were like i want to make a rosé and this is the complexities i wanted it you know instead of like the provencal style was there something that you wanted to do in your rosé because it's it's a fuller rosé i mean it's delicious but it is it i wouldn't call it in the provencal style would you no, no, no. Uh, we have not, two roses, but I think uh, the first one we have is is this one that uh, is a Syrah and Merlot, and it's uh, it's not a province. It's not a provincial style. It's more. It has more more color and more fruit, and it's a um, like a bomb. No, in your mouth, is uh, it has a strength. And, and then we have another one that is a new one that is more Provencal style that is with a hairy garnacha. I don't know if you heard about this varieta. It's, it's another, gar, another grenache. Garnacha peluda. Sí, garnacha peluda. <laughs> it's another grenache that has in the leaf a little hair, like, like hair, like uh, in the leaf. And, and has more acidity and less color than the garnacha. And so we have two different uh, roses, but I, I, want, I want to say that the roses are very difficult to, to make in, in the winery because you have to uh, ha uh, the, take the, the grapes in, the, in, the, in a moment, uh, very, very fresh, and then you have to Keep the aromas, ferment them very low temperature to don't lose the aromas, and so it's a very delicate wine in in the in the winery. Is but but then it's a very nice wine in in the table. <laughs> well, summertime is a great rosé time, and um, that's mm -hmm. you know, and I mean great white wine. I mean I think people are drinking all sorts of wines all seasons now with everything, red wine with fish. I mean, all sort of rules, wine rules are out the door because I think people are more interested in drinking what they like instead of drinking what they're supposed to drink, um, which I applaud personally. I don't know as a winemaker how you feel about that. Um, but no. <laughs> wine should just be drunk a certain way. Are you happy for people just to drink your wines? No, no, it's free for everybody to drink the wines like they want. No, no, I don't like uh, to say how they have to drink the wine or I prefer the people enjoy the wine and the, and the food with, and they feel free to, to know, to like one thing with another, with the fish, for example, a, red, a, a grenache with fish is, it could be a great um, combination and, so there's a lot of uh, options. Excellent. All right. Well, on that note, Aceve, where can people find here in the state, yes. well, especially in the DC region, uh, the wines that uh, Mai Tai is making? Yes. Yeah, so DC area, um, we have a great some great uh, partners. Uh, I would say Rodman's in Wisconsin, mm -hmm. um, Gran Cata, uh, Decanter, Schneider's in Capitol Hill. Um, is covered. You can find the Ariane wines in retail. Yeah, in retail. Um, also in restaurants, uh, like you said, 
Fosses uh, is a great supporter of the Spanish wines. So, you know, the Jaleos, um, I think Boqueria as well has those, uh, some of uh, Black's restaurant group, uh, Black Salt, and they, they uh, work with those Garnachas because like Maite said, they pair well with the fish. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure some others uh, have bad memory and been, uh, been well, drinking, drinking on the job, Nikki, for a long time. <laughs> well, so Maita, where can we find you and uh, your website or are you on Instagram? How can we find you? Yes, we have the website, www.arrayan.es. And in Instagram and Facebook as well, uh, we have Bodegas Arrayan. Okay. Uh, I don't know in, in uh, this, but... I will write it all out. So everything. Ah, perfect. Thank you. And where can we find you? And Nikki, yes, I was going to say we've uh, recently partnered with an online store, which is called We Are the Wine. Okay. Very okay. simple. We are the wine.com. Mm -hmm. um, so that's going to be, uh, and they sell all the RIM products. Uh, so that's uh, that's a new uh, portal that uh, uh, we partner up with, and they're they're starting a nationwide launch and everything like that. So that's uh, that's where you can find Arayan as well. We are the wine.com. Um, well, I want to thank you both for joining me this morning. Uh, Maita, your story is so interesting. Um, as a woman winemaker and also the kinds of wines that you were making. And Esteve, mm -hmm. thank you for bringing us all together this morning. Uh, so thank you both. Thank you very much. I hope see you soon some, somewhere <laughs> in Spain or there. So thank you very I'm much for having us. Spain. I am ready. I have my passport all set. <laughs> I join you in Spain. I mean, I'd love to be here, but I'd love to join you in Spain. Well, another great interview with people doing really amazing things. If you haven't had an opportunity to try Maita's wines, you can find them around the DC area, as Estebe said, and they really are worth a go-to. But what I think is more interesting is what they're doing to battle climate change and also produce really incredible wines by not just a woman winemaker, but also a woman wine owner. So applauds go all around on that. So I want to thank you again for joining me today on Industry Night on Real Fun DC. So much is going on out there. Check out the list, areyouwanna.com to stay up to date on all your Father's Day needs. July 4th is coming, Bastille Day is coming, and summertime fun is happening. So I hope you're vaxxed, because then you don't have to be masked. Uh, have a delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Real Fun DC.